You're listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. you've come uh, to a church, you typically find like, you know, three songs, a nice sermon, and a little prayer, and we get you out to brunch. Um, today's today's going to be different. Uh, we're going to uh, be having a couple of conversations. Uh, really, something we kind of hold is a, is a covenant epistemology, which epistemology is to study how do we know things, right? And one of the things I think we believe as a church is that we know not just through exploring the Word of God, but also through exploring each other and the stories that God is unfolding through each and every one of us. And so we've been in this series all this month of unpacking our core pillars, merciful presence, formative encounter, pilgrim community. These are the things that we are pushing into as a community. Now, the thing about us here at Oaks is we don't just want these words to be aspirational, right? These things that we just uh, hope will become true of us. But we really want them to be declarations of things that describe what is actually happening in and among us. And so for today, we're going to be looking at our three pillars through the lens of some people that are sitting in these chairs. So we can look and see what does it look like when these pillars uh, take on skin and they take on flesh and blood and walk around us. And so first step we're going to walk and look through is merciful presence. What does it mean for us to truly be uh, a merciful presence in this city? And so for that, I'm going to actually invite up Robbie Brown. We are uh, paternal twins. I don't know if you should laugh at that or not, actually. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, so Robbie is here because we're going to talk a little bit about merciful presence. In a second, I'm going to have Robbie uh, speak to one of the, the areas of merciful presence we as a church hold within our community. But for those who are the uninitiated, maybe this is your first time. When we talk about merciful presence, what we mean is we believe that as a people of God, as we form and shaped by him and in relationship with him, that then sends us out into the world to be people of mercy, people of help. Uh, we want to meet the deep desires and needs as best we can in the ways we've been equipped of our neighbors that are around us. And so one of the ways that we have been doing that uh, really throughout the pandemic is meeting the need of food insecurity that exists in the Williamsburg area. And Robbie has been holding one of those spaces. And Robbie, I'd just love for you to share a little bit about what that's been and your experience kind of broadly in it. Yeah, so I have been helping at North Brooklyn Angels um, every other Monday from 9.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Yeah, that's the, um, not the whole day, just a couple hours. Um, and if you're not familiar with North Brooklyn Angels, they are an organization that's just a couple of years old, um, but they are combating food insecurity in North Brooklyn by preparing hot meals 
five days a week, I believe it's Monday through Friday, um, and then distributing them at a few key locations around North Brooklyn. So there's a couple churches, a couple other locations, um, as well as during the pandemic, they started actually doing house deliveries to some elderly folks who were homebound and couldn't get out to get groceries or get food. Um, so the primary need for volunteers is just in helping prepare those meals. Um, and so Carlos and I were chatting a few months back um, and decided to kind of partner with them in a semi-regular basis. So every other Monday, we've agreed to try to have some folks from Oaks be there on Mondays to help um, help volunteer. Um, and so I have been a part of that. And it is fun, surprisingly. Um, it's right now, the, the, the system is still kind of in flux because they made a bunch of adjustments during the pandemic. And they're in the process of kind of coming out of a pandemic era of food prep. Um, but we meet at the church, what's it called? Our Lady of M Mount Carmel, thanks. Um, and over in Williamsburg, um, we meet in their basement and we do a bunch of prep, roll up some silverware in napkins, then we put them in bags, and then eventually we get on an assembly line and just pack the um, hot food into bags. Um, and then within two hours, we're done. People come and pick up the food, the food gets trucked around North Brooklyn and people have a hot meal that day. Um, and it's been really fun. Okay. Okay, uh, Robbie, yeah. you said fun. You said fun twice. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you and I have different definitions of fun. Probably but, though. Yeah, yeah. But let's talk about this a little bit. Uh, because I, I've, I've come and I've served, and uh, we used to have a food pantry, for those of you who don't know, in partnership with St. John's, just a few blocks down the street. And uh, that was a, a space where we would literally pack groceries for our neighbors, and they would, like, line up, and then we'd, we would extend to them this groceries, and we were able to meet needs, and you were able to see uh, and interact. We would just be able to meet our neighbors, but also you understood, and you got to see that, like, fulfillment of uh, your work. Uh, why I bring that up is because this has been about going into a church basement, putting on gloves and a mask and an apron, and old ladies, like, like lunch lady, putting food in the trays and boxes that you don't actually see the people that receive them. So that doesn't sound fun to you? I mean, maybe a Friday night. I don't know about a Saturday night, you know? So when you talk about that being fun, in pure honesty, I would love for you to just unpack, like, where is the fun in that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I will be able to spin anything and make it seem fun or find a way to have fun doing it. So, yeah, let's not um, do that. Yeah, let, well, let's not do that. Um, I think the thing that has been good, we'll use that word instead, has been good for me over these last few months has been kind of wrestling with that idea where when I'm there on Mondays and what has been fun, I'll quick inter interjection, what has been fun is when other folks from Oaks show up and go with me and I get to meet new people or spend a couple hours standing next to somebody who I'm friends with um, serving food and kind of catching up on life. That is traditional definition of fun. Um, but what has been really good for me has been kind of wrestling through that dynamic of I want to be seen doing good things, 
and I want to be like, I want to receive the affirmation and the thanks for doing good things. Um, I think when we were talking about this, you used the word uh, sexy. You know, the more sexy, merciful presence stuff is when you actually walk out there and hand out food to, the, to people that are hungry themselves. Um, and this is not that. So it has been um, tough to kind of wrestle through that idea, but it has been really good for me to kind of go through that process of consistently coming to the same place um, and doing it, I guess, in a way that's unseen. Now I'm on stage telling you about it, so it's not unseen anymore. Um, a little sexy. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's, now it's sexy yeah. and finally fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think it has been really good, and I've also, I think the there's been a shift in my understanding of kind of who I'm serving, kind of away from the hungry themselves, which we still are, um, but to the people that I'm actually working alongside and working with at North Brooklyn Angels. Um, and North Brooklyn Angels, despite the name Angels, is not necessarily a faith-based um, organization. Um, the folks that run it aren't necessarily Christians. Um, so it's been fun just being able to show up consistently as a group or as a person from a church that they were previously not necessarily that familiar with. And now they're like, oh, Oaks, they regularly come and help us here. And they're here every Monday. And um, so, yeah, good. I'll use that word instead. Yeah. Well, here's why I want to make this, this distinction, right? Because when we talk about merciful presence and we talk about the food pantry, to your point, like everybody's kind of like in for that, you know, like, like this like, I'm a hero, you know, I'm walking in and these, these poor people, where would they be without me? And, and I get to do all this wonderful stuff. And, and if we take that approach, that's completely different than what we're trying to be about when we talk about merciful presence. Like what we want to be is actually a people that are meeting the needs. And sometimes the needs are down and dirty and they're unforeseen and you don't want to do it and they're early in the morning. And I want to just paint a, like a real picture of that. Like, this is the real deal. It's not something you're going to put on Instagram, per se, unless you got a radically different Instagram. And go you, okay? Well done. Uh, but I love that you called it good, and you talked, you kind of hinted a little bit about some of the things that it's been working out in you. And I guess could you give us like a practical understanding like how you have been formed in, in, through merciful presence. Like what, what have you found? Uh, and then I'm going to get back to what you talked about and who, who you found. Yeah. Um, first, I will say the, you food pantry volunteers, also totally the real deal. Like good job serving at the food pantry. Um, the, I think, yeah, I think some of the ways that it's been forming me has been yeah, I guess just adjusting who I think of as my target audience when it comes to who am I being merciful presence for or to, um, and what do I mean, what do we mean when we say merciful? I think both of those things, we kind of immediately have an idea in our head of what we think that means. And we think it means handing something out to somebody that is obviously in desperate need. Um, and I think it has kind of, there's slowly been this transformation in my understanding of what merciful presence looks like. And maybe even just to use a word other than merciful, I think if you were to replace that with faithful presence or consistent presence, um, a really like non-anxious presence. Um, but I think it, it almost seems like the emphasis is more on presence than on the word merciful itself. 
Um, I do think merciful, being a people of mercy is really, really important, but I think we learn what it looks like to be merciful through our presence and by consistently showing up and being present with people. Um, and then the, the other thing that has sort of shifted in that is who are we being present with? And that doesn't need to be the people, or it won't always be the people that are, um, you know, houseless and living on the streets. It won't always be the people who are most obviously in need. I think that sometimes being merciful presence looks like being merciful presence for the people sitting next to you. Mm. Um, in fact, probably most of the time it looks like being that for the person sitting next to you. Um, I mean, it all comes back to that idea of loving your neighbor and who is your neighbor. And the people sleeping on the streets in your neighborhood are definitely your neighbor. But so is your neighbor. Um, <laughs> And they are your neighbor every single day and more immediately. Um, so I think those two shifts, kind of just in my understanding of what we mean by merciful, um, and then who it is that I'm being present with. Yeah. Thank you, Robin. I think that's exactly it. When we talk about merciful presence, we are exhibiting what God is like to the world around us. And if anything, he says he draws close to the brokenhearted. That those who mourn will be comforted. And a lot of times that compassion that mercy is rooted in is us just showing up and sitting in the mess with other people uh, and letting them know that they don't have to go through it alone. I'll leave us with this. My grandmother always used to say that shared joy is double the joy and shared sorrow is half the sorrow. So as we practice merciful presence, what does it look like for us to go grab our share um, and take part? So thank you, Robbie, for the ways in which you are leading Join that. me tomorrow, Join North Brooklyn him. Angels. Tomorrow, 9.30. Yeah, you can go find Robbie afterwards. Don't get mistaken. Uh, don't come to me. Uh, uh, the other beautiful man in, a, in Teal. Um, and he will be able to point you to how to get involved. And I do encourage you. Uh, yeah, it's, we find the Lord there. Okay, so that's merciful presence. We good? We're tracking? We're learning? Seeing what the Lord is doing? We're going to keep... Keep going on. Our second pillar today that I'm really excited about us digging into is formative encounter. So, again, for the uninitiated, formative encounter is uh, when we talk about that, what we're talking about is not just this one-off meeting with God like, you know, Saul on the road to Tarsus, but we're talking about living a life that, uh, that continually and consistently enters the presence of God. And in that presence, we find renewal, rejuvenation, we find change, uh, we find the chaos of being, and hopefully in that process we find ourselves. Uh, and so our next, uh, our next person I think embodies formative encounters so well. Uh, and she has served uh, for the last three years as a elder here. Uh, she has over the last year and a half You've seen her throw down the word of God as a preacher here on Sunday mornings. She is my sister. She is a faithful educator to little ones. Lindsay Reyes, come on up. So Lindsay um, is going to share with us over the last three years what formative encounter has looked like in her life. And then what we're going to do, it's just a little spoiler, I'm going to get this out of the way. Um, 
Lindsay has been faithfully serving as an elder. Our elders serve three-year terms. Uh, Lindsay's term is ending in January, or formally ends in January, but she's actually going to sunset back into our congregation a little earlier because uh, she's just going to enter this new season of rest that God's called her into. And so after she shares, we're going to just have a moment where we just bless her for her faithfulness, and I'll talk a little bit more about that then. But for now, Lindsay, would you uh, just share with us what formative encounter has looked like in your life? And I have preached a lot over the last year and a half, but I haven't been this nervous since the first time. How weird is that? Um, I think when I was trying to think of a theme that represented formative encounter, I just kept coming back to friendship. Like, I think I've, I've gained a, a true friendship with God. And, like, all friendships start out, like, exciting, and, and that's why you probably enter into a friendship. Um, and, but you can, like, be excited with even strangers. Like, go to a sports bar at your f- favorite football game, and, you know, you can have fun, and it can be exciting with people you don't even know. But friendship means you kind of stay in the tough parts. And... Um, and so that's that's what it's yeah that's what it started. So that's my theme. Do you want me to keep going? Oh, uh, I do. <laughs> Get into it. Share yeah, with us. yeah. So you know, almost three years ago, I stood right here with Beck, and we were installed as elders. And it was early 2020, and I felt like the wind was at my back. It was exciting, like the beginning of a friendship. It was ex- it was so exciting. I felt like we were just kind of riding in the wake of some older brothers and sisters in the faith. Like if you were here at the time, then you know our former elders, Kaiser Thompson, Simon Morris, Gemma was around, Tyler was around. And, you know, Gemma, I'm going to use that wherever you are. I'm going to use your favorite quote that, you know, if you want to build a ship, don't go drum up people to, do, to collect wood. Don't assign tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the immensity of the sea. Mm. And they, they, you taught us to long for the immensity of the sea. And you took us to the sea. And, um, and that was fun. And if you like being on a boat as much as I do, being on the water is fun. But I don't have to tell you what happened in 2020. Um, you were there, and but personally speaking, like just as a person, if my life were a movie, things from the setting were just disappearing one by one. You know, Tyler left. Weirdly, almost all my closest church friends, but one or two, started leaving the city one by one. Um, fast forward a couple years later. And like that, that was worse enough, but it's like, you know, you just, you just, you you dig down deep and you just keep going. And then I lost, if you were here a couple weeks ago, I shared my diagnosis of MS. Then I started losing things like my sense of touch and feeling and then my eyesight. And so my, my default or my tendency was just to kind of avoid God because (laughs) I was a little mad at him. Um, at one point, I, I think I actually uttered the phrase, is this some sick joke? Mm-hmm. And I meant it with my whole heart. But when the TV was off and the music faded, I just sort of heard, not audibly, but like deep down in my heart, come to me. Just come to me. I'm mad at you. Come to me. You took everything. Come to me. And so... The difference between me now and I think me before is that I answered that call and I just went to him. So sometimes I sat in silence, sometimes I sat in anger, sometimes I sat in confusion, and sometimes joy and gratitude. Um, But I just felt like 
that's where the friendship started. The real friendship started. I've always loved King David. I always thought it was so cool that, his, that he worshipped and talked to God the way I did through music. Um, and I just, as I reflected this weekend, I felt like God say, well, I just wanted to show you what David saw. You walked, you've walked by streams of water. You've laid down in pastures. But I actually want you to see that I've set a feast in the table, or I've set a, a feast for you um, at a table surrounded by your enemy, surrounded by your struggle. And he truly did. And as I looked back and reflected, even back to 2020, when things just started disappearing, like a lot of friends of, of mine from work are here, and I just think like literally the moment that that first ball dropped, I got a co-teacher that was the fun, is the funniest person I know. And so <laughs> you need to meet her. She's right over there. Um, and um, at night, I would be weeping on the floor of my shower, but every morning I would be busting a gut laughing with her every single day, yeah. every single day. So I learned that, you know, in the morning, joy would always win. Mm. And then as I looked around me, I was like, as I was accusing God of being a, a thief, um, I, I feel like he opened my eyes to the signs of the kingdom he had actually prepared for me, like reconciled friendships, reconciled relationships with family members, new friendships. Um, and then fast forward even like to now where my body feels weaker than it's ever felt in my life. I have never once, never once brought up an Amazon package three flights of stairs up to my classroom because one of these people have done it for me. One of them stopped me and said, hey, just come here. I need you to see this little girl that I think still Mackenzie might be an angel, Liz. I'm not sure, but I think she might be. They take my kids up the three flights of stairs after lunch. I don't have to do anything, and I didn't ask them a thing for it. So as my eyes were open, I just felt like God said, yeah, I know. I know you're mad. I know. But I've actually set a table before you. Mm. Yeah. There are two things I'm hearing in this. So one, I'm hearing this understanding when we talk about formative encounter and entering the presence of God, that it sounds like you would maybe imagine like, oh, this is the place of like luxuriousness and like that view of like Zeus in heaven and grapes. Uh, and yet what I'm hearing you say is that the places that you have met God has been in like daughter's appointments and yeah. like in tons and tons of elder meetings about the serious stuff none of the places that are luxurious or fun, mm -hmm. but that's where you've met him. Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah. I don't know about all the meetings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was somewhere around there. He was there. somewhere there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the second thing that I'm hearing from you, and I would love for you to even maybe give a little bit more on, is that you were hearing him and seeing God not just in the way that he like speaks into the depths of your heart and that kind of like place you can't understand, mm -hmm. that still small voice, yep. but almost even louder so through people and how he's been like meeting you through the love of others. And I guess I would just love, as someone who has been that for other people, um, What's it been like a little bit more on the other side of like meeting him through, through others and receiving that help? 
Yeah, I don't ask for help. I don't like to do that. And what's been fun is that I actually haven't asked for help in any of those times. It's just shown up. So it's really vulnerable. I don't like it at all. Um, but, you know, in our weakness, that's where, we see, that's where we feel God. I think they say growth comes out of struggle. And so I've, I've just been loved. Like I think I mentioned when I spoke last time, like when I finally came to the end of myself and just sat in silence, I felt like God was saying, finally, you're going to let me love you. And so now I've just learned to, like, take a deep breath and receive it, even though it feels weird. Like, when Holly brought my students up on Friday, I felt a little awkward that I wasn't doing it or she was doing something she didn't need to do. But I just, like, I just am learning to take a deep breath and receive it. Hmm. When you think back to Lindsay, January 2019, <laughs> to Lindsay today, how is she different? What has she learned well, Lindsay 2019 got her first tattoo. <laughs> Sexy tattoos. Come on. You didn't know this kind of church. <laughs> and um, it was from two verses, but it's, it's Hebrew for priest. And, um, but I love that part in early on in Israel's journey, um, when they're crossing the Jordan and God parts the waters for the second time. Everyone knows about the first time, but the second time he parts the waters, the priest just stood ankle deep in the water. Um, and as God ordered them, he just said, go and stand ankle deep in the water and I will part the waters. But he dammed up the waters far, far, far up upstream. So we don't know how long they had to wait. Um, but like Lindsay in 2019 was like, yeah, waiting for like us to become a people of praise, waiting for that, waiting for all like that stuff that like, if it didn't happen, it wouldn't kill me. Yeah. Um, but now it's like a steady, like kind of like the friendship is like just a sweet and steady. I can sit, I, I just long to kind of sit in silence with God now and I'm okay with that. Now I'm thinking like, yep, I'm a priest. I know how to wait. I know how to wait. Mm. Even though I don't, I don't, and, and for me, what I'm waiting on, I, my life does depend on it, mm. and I don't know th that it's coming, um, but I'm also like, just wait, just like steadily, peacefully waiting. Yeah. The last thing I'll just point out is, as we talked about merciful presence and how like, yeah, we can definitely be that merciful presence in those like mm -hmm. awesome ways, like the food pantry and being able to meet people in their needs, and you can also meet them in the hard, difficult parts, and, and you t have talked about, you know, that you can also be formed in the, in the brokenness, in the burden, but also, you're a person that praises, you are a person that <laughs> worships, and so I think yeah. we'd be remiss not to have you just speak to a little bit of the joy that is, that still is, exists even in the midst of, of these hard times. Yeah, I, and that I don't know that I can actually explain. Um, but, like, I realized it, it, just very recently that King David didn't write his psalms in one sitting. I kind of always assumed that he did. But through my experience over the last couple of years, I realized, oh, I think these psalms were curated over a life of, like, long obedience in the same direction. So when he said, like, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? Um, 
you know, he set me high upon a rock and then my head was exalted above my enemies. He was actually in battle. He was, you know, and when he said things like, don't turn your servant away in anger, that must have meant he was angry with God, you know, and, um, and at the, but at the end, it always, it, he always ends it in hope, like, this I believe that I will look upon the Lord in the land of the living, which means I will see the kingdom here. And so I don't know if that, if like God has put in me like that spirit of David, I hope so. I've always wanted it. But I can, I can say in one breath, I'm so confused by you, but you are good. Like I, I, no one will ever talk me out of the truth that he is ultimately good. Yeah. And that's, that's who I praise. Well, let's join him in that, right? Okay. Uh, here's what I'd like to do. So, uh, as I said, Lindsay, uh, our elders, you don't see them, they, they, but they are really the, like, they underpin and gird this community. They, wa they keep watch. Uh, they make sure that we're healthy. They've navigated, uh, they, they've navigated now a pandemic and also an unexpected transition of a lead pastor uh, over the last two years. They've had more meetings than they could count. Uh, they have also dealt with so many other transitions and issues and pastoral concerns. Uh, and, and all without complaint, it has been a very humbling thing to watch and observe. And Lindsay, as one of our most current senior elders, uh, has really just, with Beck, they've just guided the ship, and they've just, she has been, um, Jesus says that he, he'll gather, God says he'll gather all, like, all of Israel, all of his kids under his wing like a mama hen. And, like, I feel like some of that, you've, you've kind of had us under your wings in prayer and in presence. And so we've been very thankful and blessed. Uh, someone prayed this morning that you've been a, a critical contribution to the last two years. And I think that's very true. And so what we want to do, I'm going to invite our elders up, uh, Lindsay and Beck. Uh, I don't think Will's with us today. But uh, we're just going to have them say a, a prayer over Lindsay as her time as an elder uh, has, has been fulfilled. Uh, and she's not going anywhere. We still got her. We still get to, like, see her and, and bless her on Sundays. But we're just going to bless the end of a well-walked a well season of faith and obedience. So they're going to pray for her. And if you'll just extend a hand towards her to join them in that, uh, and then we'll just thank the Lord. Father God, I am just so grateful for Lindsay. God, and what she has brought to this community, what you've done in and through her for your kingdom here. God, for all of the things that we don't even see that she's done. Um, and just been a faithful servant in your calling for her over this eldership, God. Lord, and we just thank you. And we, we thank you, Lindsay, and we bless you too. We bless your heart, your love, your sacrifice for our community. And we know that that continues, even with you stepping down from the elder board. Um, the foundations you've laid, the prayers you've prayed, the hugs and the tears you've cried um, will continue to bear fruit. And I pray, God, that it would. It would just bear fruit. Um, God, that we would continue to see the ripple effects of uh, Lindsay's work here, Lord. And God, I just, I bless um, her, her call to rest 
her call to heal, her call to sit with you, to feast and not do any of the work. She's done so much work, God, and so we just bless the call to sit at your feet, Jesus. God, that you would just fill her up in her inmost being, Lord, in those areas that she's poured out so much, Lord. Would you just pull her back? Would you just fill her up, God? Would you just fill her up with your hope, with your love, your peace, your goodness, God, that she thinks she knows how good you are, but hey, there's even she's going to go deeper into knowing how good you are, Jesus. And I also ask for prayer in the name of Jesus, God, that you would heal and touch Lindsay's body. You would just heal her in the name of Jesus. You are the ultimate healer, and you can do this. And so, God, as we wait, we just pray that you would just heal her, God. Yeah, Lindsay, it feels, um, I think we've already said it to you, but, um, and you said it to you, our elders that have left, but, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. It has been such a joy and such a privilege to be able to see how you honor the Lord and how you honor this community and how you have been so obedient. And so I've said it, I say it all the time, I wish I can grow up to be an elder like you. So Lord, as we continue to um, see how you get to bless Lindsay, um, we trust you and we are faith and we have faith and Lord, for all the ways that she has touched this community, will you just um, let those be little seeds that will will be so bountiful and that will grow, and we'll continue to feast with you. We love you. Now, if you guys would do me a favor, would you stand with me, and we're just gonna say, all together, we bless you, Lindsay, for your faithful work. All right, one, two, three. We bless you, Lindsay, for your faithful work. Now. All right, you can be seated. You can be seated. Um, okay, so we've made it through two. We've got one more. Uh, and for that, Ryan's going to come forward. And before he does, I just want to say we're going to be finishing on Pilgrim Community. Pilgrim community means that we don't just walk this road alone, this formative encounter with the Lord, this merciful presence, as Robbie talks about, the fun that has happened has been when we do this together. And that is the invitation that we are a people that are moving and walking together, deeper and deeper into relationship. And so we've got a couple of ways we're going to practice that today, and I'm going to let Ryan walk us through those. I know, right? We're selling in the back for um, $25. No, I'm joking. We're not. That'd be incredibly funny, though. You must be thinking, Ryan, you're dressed really casually. Where's your Sunday best? It's because in a moment, we're going to have the opportunity to baptize new members of our community. See, the significance of this is that baptism is the entrance into the Christian life. When in the book of Acts, when the crowds ask Peter, when they're cut to the heart, they want to respond to the gospel. They say, what should we do? And he says, repent and be baptized, the remission of your sins. And then 
you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so in, in a culture where a lot happens in our heads, we're very cerebral people, God in his wisdom gave us something to do so that we would remember who we are, that it's in the action of doing something and receiving something physical that we remember the reality of this inward transformation that's happening. And that's what baptism is. And from baptism later, we're going to flow into communion, which Carlos is going to lead us through. But there's actually a reason why we put baptism first and communion second. It's because baptism is the entrance into the Christian life. And it's the Lord's table that sustains the Christian life. That continual coming to the seed of mercy to receive what we need that we ourselves do not possess. And so I'm going to invite our candidates to come forward and join me here on the rug. Um, those people asked to help out with this. Um, so Mackenzie, Roosevelt, come hang out with them over here. There's a towel right there you can grab for them. And I'm just going to lead us through a baptismal liturgy to honor and celebrate this beautiful moment. Today, we celebrate the baptism of April and Justin. These are beloved members of our community, and it's an honor to surround them and welcome them into the kingdom of God. Baptism is the first act of obedience for those who have trusted in Christ Jesus. It is a public symbol received in community, a symbol revealing the reality of our salvation, both signifying our redemption and marking the start of the Christian journey. By passing through the waters, we join Jesus in his death and resurrection and receive for ourselves the necessary grace to live out the Christian life. Through bapti though baptism only occurs once in the life of a believer, it is the beginning of the Christian journey and an invitation to a life of discipleship, living lives wholly devoted to Jesus. And so now we're going to join our, these candidates in sharing their baptismal vows. Baptismal vows are the things we pronounce before our baptism that we're sealing with the act of baptism. And for those of you who are in the room who are Christians, who have been baptized, these are your vows too. When you were put into that water, these are the things that, that Jesus promised over you, that you would be his children and live out the reality of his kingdom. And so when I read out the question, I want you guys to respond with our candidates, we do. So, do you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over all? We do. Do you believe that he was raised from death to life and offers the same to you? We do. Do you commit to follow and obey him as your Lord and Savior? And do you renounce the evil powers that work in this world which corrupt and destroy God's good creation and harm our neighbors? Welcome to the family of God. You belong to us, and we belong to you. And now we're going to head into the waters. And as they're having this moment, I encourage you, reflect on your own baptism. That moment in which you pass from death to life and renew today that you are no longer dead in your sins and trespasses, but are alive in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen.
We're there? Can we give it up again for our brothers? And some are real charged. You can come take a dip in the pool. We've got plenty of space over there. Um, hey, and the pool's still there. So if anybody's like, I think I want in, we can run this back. So uh, for, for right now, would you stand up with me? We're going to move towards our table, as Ryan shared with us. Baptism is the beginning. And it's the Lord's table that sustains us day in and day out. So I'm going to have our hospitality and those who are going to serve our communion. And just as we have baptismal vows, we have confession. And as we've been uh, throughout this uh, series, we've been using our confession to remind us that what we see here, the things that we have taken part in, are not something new and novel, but they've been happening for hundreds, thousands of years uh, as men and women and people have given their life to Christ. They have joined in the baptism. They've joined at the table. And so through that, we have been sharing this confession, the Apostles' Creed. And we've been, we've been confessing it together aloud drafting and grafting ourselves into the legacy of believers that have been here. It's coming. There we go. Would you read this confession aloud with me? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Now, my friends, if you hold this confession, you are invited to come to the table, which is your assurance of pardon. That on the night that Jesus died, he took the bread and breaking it, he said, this is my body broken for you. Take it often in remembrance of me. And likewise, he took the cup, saying, this is my blood of the new covenant shared for you. So whenever you eat of this bread and drink of this blood, may you be reminded of his holy sacrifice, the gifts of God for the people of God. Come. 